This is the Visit the Zoo podcast, episode number 64. Today we hear about the lion, the king of the jungle. And hello, everybody, and welcome to the Visit the Zoo podcast. This is episode number 64 in the Visit the Zoo podcast series. I am your host, Frederick Fishman, the author of the 12-book, 120-animal series. You can find on Kindle Books and Prints, audiobooks and DVD on Amazon. We also have two websites that I want to tell you about, and that's zooanimals.info, which is our main site that's plural, zooanimals.info and all of our merchandise which is at zooswear.com that's z-o-o-z w-e-a-r zooswear.com I also want to uh let you know that we're going to be reading a chapter at the end of this podcast from my novel, Noah, An Animal Adventure Fantasy, and that'll run about 20 minutes, so I'm going to make the front end a little bit shorter before we do. Let's listen to some zoo sounds that I recorded about a week ago or so at the local Reed Park Zoo here in Tucson, Arizona, and let you know what it sounds like when we're walking through the zoo. section that we usually do. Block number three is when I read some news and I tell you about the curated content that, that I've gathered for you. And what I was going to do is read the story about eight native British animals to look out for in the wintertime from the magazine Country Living. But I found this other story that is just totally fascinating. And I, what I thought I would do is I would just skip that one about the about the British animals in the wintertime and just read you this next story. And this is from moneyversed.com and was written by Maggie Watson. So there's the attribution. Do you dream of an island vacation complete with private beaches and clear blue ocean? Maybe you dream of photographs by a quaint lighthouse. Well, from a distance, Quamada Grande may look like the perfect place for that relaxing getaway. However, it proves to be anything but. Just 93 miles from the heart of Sao Paulo, Brazil, the island offers 106 acres of rock rainforest and beach. If it's privacy you want, you're in luck. The population of the island is exactly zero. That's a permanent population. Of course, that privacy comes with a cost. Unfortunately, Iia da Quemada Grande isn't all that it appears to be. You can't go there unless you have a permit from the Brazilian government. And it's actually one of the most terrifying and deadly places on the entire planet Earth. When you see its nickname, you'll know why. In the trees and strewn about its rocks, the island, known as Snake Island, harbors thousands of Bothrops insularis, otherwise known as the Golden Lancehead Pit Viper. That's a snake. They have one of the most deadly bites of any snake in the world. 
and Discovery.com estimates that there are between two and 4,000 snakes on that island. It's the only place on the planet where you can find that snake, by the way. So, how do so many snakes, so deadly, so many deadly snakes, end up in a situation like that on the island by themselves? There is one theory that suggests that 11,000 years ago, as water levels rose, the snakes became trapped there as they were unable to make the swim back to the mainland. But there's another theory. When one news outlet ventured out to Brazil to better understand this mysterious island. They talked with an itinerant local who offered another much more colorful theory that the origin of the snakes was pirates. Well, what made him think that? He said, you know, in my mind, I believe the snakes were introduced by pirates, said the local in Portuguese, to protect gold galleons. So I believe there's gold there. How else would the snakes appear there? Snakes that don't belong to any other continent, he said. Legends about the island, Quemada Grande, don't stop at the origin of the snakes either. Another local itinerant shared a tale about the dangers of the island, said folks on boats saw a bunch of bananas, so they went to cut off a few branches. His story had a simple and poignant conclusion. Both of them died. The snake's venom can kill a person in up to six hours, up to... You could die much, much faster than that. Strangely, the venom also is a valuable resource. In 1981, medical experts utilized the venom in a medicine designed to lower blood pressure. It's great help for those with blood clots or heart disease. It's even FDA approved, it said. However, the value of the snake venom comes with consequences. Despite needing legal clearance for Brazil to make a trip to the island, the snakes are valuable enough assets to encourage a little bit of law-breaking. Animal smugglers make undercover trips out to the island to get their hands on the snakes for their venom. According to an ABC News report, the snakes sell on a black market for $15,000 per snake. That fact that anyone would want to own one of these snakes is made more alarming by just how much destruction their venom can cause. The venom of the lancehead viper melts flesh. That's right. It just doesn't give you a stomachache, diarrhea, and an untimely death. It actually breaks flesh down so that the snake can more easily digest its prey. In an official capacity, no one has ever lived on Snake Island except for one man and his family. There's information that's very little on him, but apparently he operated the lighthouse. Well, right now, the Brazilian Navy goes out to the lighthouse once a year to, to conduct annual repairs on the automated lighthouse. The Lancet Viper has been classified as critically endangered, which should come as no shock since Snakehead Island is literally the only place on the planet where you can find them. A number of factors have led to their demise. Scientists have over-harvested the snake for its venom, and pirates have made off with a quick sale from the snakes remaining. Snake Island may be full of deadly snakes, but they're one of a kind. Sure, if you go there, you might end up a corpse in a Brazilian legend, though no human deaths have ever been recorded. It might be a snake-infested death pit, but to the Lancet Viper, Quemada Grande is a paradise. We've got five curated stories that you can go to. I'll just read the titles of each, and then you can go to either zooanimals.info or to our blog at vtzlife.com. And just click on the titles, and that'll take you directly to the story and the rest of the story. The first story that I've curated for, uh, for you is 23 of the most colorful animals in the world. And number two, which animals win in a warming Antarctica? 
Number three, winter menu for tropical animals. Number four, remember to care for pets and farm animals during the cold. And number five, major shifts in consciousness observed throughout the animal kingdom. Those are our five curated stories that you can find, again, on zooanimals.info or vtzlife.com. Outside your tent at night somewhere in the African plain and you hear that right next to your ear as you're sleeping in that very thin tent knowing there's a lion on the other side well that is the animal description for this week it's about the lion there he is the king of the jungle stretched out taking a nap while the lioness looks on but you know what that's what lions do most of the time they just lay around yawning napping and resting up to 20 hours a day. The rest of the time is spent grooming, socializing, hunting, or eating. The lion is the second largest of the cat family. The tiger is bigger. Females are smaller than males, and the females can top out at about 400 pounds, but the males can be as big as 550 pounds. The females stand about four feet tall, the males five feet tall. But as we creep closer to the railing, we can see how big they really look. They live mainly in Africa now, other than in zoos around the world. But here's a fascinating fact. About 10,000 years ago, the largest population of large animals on Earth was humans. Second in number were the lions. But sadly, their numbers have shrunk along with their habitat. Habitat is mostly on grassy plains, savannas, and woodlands. You know their diet. Antelope, zebra, warthog, small mammals, and buffalo. One more critical point about the lions, they can climb trees. So if you are walking under a tree with a lion in it and getting ready to pounce, well, you get the picture. Lions are very social animals, and their social group, the pride, is structured with the females really the ones in charge. They have anywhere from one to four cubs, and they live 10 to 14 years in the wild and about 20 years in captivity. Either way, wild or in zoos, they are beautiful, regal, and majestic animals. They have been worshipped, feared, hated, and loved over the centuries. To see one in person at the zoo is really great. And that's a little bit about the king of the jungle, the lion, and I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, we're going to go to our next blog now, and this is block number five, and we're going to play for you chapter number 10 from my novel, my fiction novel, Noah, an animal adventure fantasy and what you're hearing is one of the chapters from the audiobook that i recorded which of course is available on audible.com and again the title is noah an animal adventure fantasy and here is chapter number 10 
Tiger Ken. He was absolutely crazy about giraffes. Manny asked, your brother? Yes. There was a slight pause as Noah stared at a lone giraffe grazing on several acacia trees. Behind the acacia trees and rising from the savanna floor, Kilimanjaro, the dormant volcano they had just seen by air. It pierced the cobalt blue sky. The mountain proudly wore its crown of white snow to the very peak. Noah said, We never discussed why he loved them so much. Was it their ground speed with those long legs? Their unique splotched coat? Or maybe it was that long neck and the ability to grasp farther than their apparent reach? I don't know, he never said, but he loved giraffes. Noah kept staring at the giraffe now in front of him. He had stuffed giraffes around his apartment, all over that place. He had giraffe pictures, books, glasses, and mugs with giraffe images scattered everywhere. People knew that about him, and he was constantly getting gifts of all things giraffe. Was it always that way with him and giraffes, Manny asked? No, not really. Before giraffes, it was hummingbirds. But recently, it was giraffes. And for you? For me, lately, I avoid them. It takes me back, and it's too painful to go back. I was there with them in the end, me and Dad, and it's too painful. Noah's voice trailed off at the end. Manny turned toward Noah. Noah, it is good you are moving forward with your life. You have to. But maybe... Noah stiffened. There is no maybe. Manny waited a beat, but maybe instead of remembering the end, the bad, the pain, you should remember the good, the happy, the fun, the smiles and laughter and closeness you had with him. Then it would be comfort that you remember the happy and not the pain. Manny paused and continued. Just think about what I'm saying, Noah. You can carry that happiness with you that he gave you for the rest of your life. Noah was silent and for the first time more relaxed about discussing the subject with his wise little meerkat friend. Manny was the only person he had really discussed the matter with. Noah absorbed what he was saying. I would think about it, Manny. Honestly, I will. There was a long silence between them. The giraffe had now pulled away from the tree, and he was scanning the horizon now. Was the giraffe looking for danger? It turned directly towards Noah and Manny. The giraffe took several steps towards them, then stopped. It stared in their direction, and they stared back. Noah and the giraffe locked eyes. That continued for a short while, and then the giraffe turned and continued on its way, traveling along the African savanna on a bright, beautiful, warm day. A breeze rose, and it cooled Noah and Manny and kept them comfortable. Noah felt truly content and relaxed. As the giraffe went in one direction on the savanna in front of Mount Kilimanjaro, Noah and Manny went the other way. Manny and Noah did not speak, Manny let the silence continue. 
He wanted Noah to process the scene they had just witnessed with the giraffe. Manny was wise and patient. They'd walked no more than 100 feet when they saw another icon of the African savanna. They stopped, walking as they observed a small herd of the largest land animals on the planet. A male elephant and his small harem with baby elephants nearby were walking purposefully toward an unseen goal. No admired how smoothly and gracefully they walked. The babies would stop and start, always curious about their new world. They would sometimes pause to inspect some small bush or limb protecting them from the floor of the savanna. Manny said, if anything represents Africa, it is these wonderful animals. Do you think they see us or know where we are? Let's ask them. Noah was still surprised, even after the many animal encounters he had had with Manny, that the animals could actually talk and carry on an understandable conversation. Noah followed Manny along the flat savanna for several hundred feet toward the elephant herd. The male elephant quickly was alerted to their presence. He instinctively moved in front of his females and their children. He remained alert and rigid until he got a clear view of the two approaching strangers. The smaller of the two strangers he then recognized. The large male seemed to relax as he spoke to Manny in a deep and booming voice. Manny, I see you. And Edward Elephant, I see you. Edward took several cautious steps forward and then paid attention to Noah. And tell me, Manny Mirakad, who is this small human creature at your side? I do have an excellent memory, as elephants do possess. And I don't remember this small human creature. Does he have a name like he should? Noah and Manny now stopped about ten feet in front of Edward. The herd behind Edward was silently watching and listening to the conversation. Yes, Edward, and I would like to introduce him. His name is Noah, and he wanted to meet you today. And why does he want to meet me? Because he is interested in seeing animals who live on this plane. And at 13,000 pounds in weight, and at 13 feet high, you are the biggest. Manny looked at Noah, then back to Edward. Noah, meet Edward. Edward, meet Noah. The huge male with long, beautifully perfect, gleaming white tusks slowly approached his new human friend. When Edward was directly in front of Noah, he lifted his giant trunk and began to touch and sniff Noah. He did this gently and with purpose. After checking out his entire body, Edward held out his trunk to Noah and curled the very end of his trunk in front of Noah's face. Edward said, It's nice to meet you, small human creature named Noah. Manny whispered, He wants to shake hands with your hand with his trunk, Noah, I think. Oh, okay, I see. Noah grabbed the end of Edward's trunk and shook it ever so slightly and gently. Ah, Manny, I see your human creature friend knows his manners. Well, small human creature, Noah... It is nice to meet you.
The volume of Edward's voice was lower, but the rumbling and the deepness of his voice seemed to totally penetrate through Noah's body. Noah, guess how old I am. Noah seemed a little confused. Mr. Edward, I really don't know how old elephants can get. Edward Elephant said, Young Noah, just try. Give me what would seem to you to be a reasonable number. Noah thought for a minute and then answered, Let me see, I'm guessing, uh, ten? Edward raised his trunk, opened his mouth, and with a trumpeting sound that echoed across the Serengeti, he laughed and laughed. Oh, Mandy, this small human creature is a funny one indeed. Edward then looked directly at Noah. And if I told you I was 65, would you believe me? Noah said, I think I would believe anything you would say to me. I mean, you're kind of big and intimidating. Edward then touched Noah with his trunk on the shoulder and gently placed it there for reassurance. Noah, we elephants are really very emotional creatures in many ways, like humans. We care for our young. We rejoice at their birth. We mourn for our dead. We are like humans in so many ways. It was the last statement that Edward said to Noah that truly touched Noah's heart. Mr. Edward, I think I really like you and your family. The two smallest baby elephants then moved forward toward Noah. They hopped around him, gently bumped into him, and also inspected him with their trunks. Well, Noah, we think we like you, and the little ones like you. They can't speak yet, but I can tell. Edward then turned slightly and looked off and in the distance. Edward said, Manny, you and our new friend, Noah, come with us as we seek water in the distance. We can all wallow in a nearby water and mud hole that we know is close. You will like the mud, Noah. It will help keep you cool. Noah looked at Manny, who was taken aback by the suggestion. Uh, it would make me muddy and dirty if I did that. Edward stared back at Noah and said, Noah, please explain dirty. I don't understand the word or concept. Manny stepped a bit closer and said, Edward, no thank you for the invitation, but I want to introduce Noah to other animals on the savannah, your area that you command. Edward said, Okay, you both suit yourselves, but you are missing a fun time. There is nothing as much fun as rolling around in a muddy hole filled with water. You should try it sometime. Manny grabbed Noah's hand, and they slowly start to back away. Manny waved at Edward with his other hand and said, Maybe next time, Edward Elephant. Edward then moved to the head of the herd, and the group began to steadily move away from Noah and Manny. Edward's voice trailed off in the distance as he said, Then you can take care of yourself, and Manny Meerkat, try to, and also try to grow taller so I don't accidentally step on you. Edward chuckled. Noah, stop moving with Manny. Manny, I never knew elephants were so decent. They really are. Manny watched the herd move out of you. They are decent, Noah. They are. Noah and Manny had not walked more than 100 paces 
when in the shadow of Mount Kilimanjaro, they saw yet another iconic inhabitant of the Serengeti. The indelible vision of those black and white stripes and the high-pitched whinnies and snorting immediately identified the zebra. The two continental animal explorers, Manny and Noah, watched the herd of about 20 or 30 zebra as they grazed on the short stubby grass. Noah cocked his head and said, You know, Manny, I've always wondered about those stripes. Why, I mean, you can see them from such a great distance. They would be easy to spot, Manny said. Yes, but so hard to catch. One kick of those hooves could send a predator flying. Yeah, but why the black and white stripes? Manny took one step closer to the herd. He knew the zebras would spook and run easily if they smelled what they thought was danger. The herd of zebra was only 100 feet away. Noah and Manny tried to remain as still and quiet as possible. Manny crouched down, and Noah followed. They tried to create as little a silhouette as possible to the zebras. Manny spoke quietly. The experts can only speculate. The alter alternating vertical lines could make it difficult for prey to distinguish the zebra if they were congregating in a stand of trees. Most animals are colorblind anyway, and it is possible the vivid black and white contrast confuses prey when the zebra take off running. Well, they look like they're pretty strong, Noah said, and they can run very fast. If they get spooked, they are strong runners. They weigh as much as 770 pounds. Good eyesight, excellent hearing. When they huddle together like that in herds, they would be a formidable challenge to take down. Noah thought about what Manny was saying, and then he said, Isn't it strange, Manny, that these animals, with bright black and white stripes, are so different looking? And yet here they are, surviving, surrounded by predators. Well, Noah, they aren't defenseless, and that stark look they have is balanced by the defenses they have. All they need is good ground forage and water, and they are satisfied. Noah said, it doesn't take that much sometimes to be happy and satisfied, huh? Manny stood and tapped Noah on the shoulder. No, sometimes... The simplest pleasures are enough. Come, Noah, we have one more animal on this African continent who we must see before we move on. Noah reluctantly stood, and they both turned away, slowly. It was not long, not that very long, before on that same Serengeti plain, they saw another species that dominated the imagination of humans whenever Africa is considered. Straight ahead, Noah and Manny approached a clump of bushes. And to the side, a large umbrella-shaped tree that provided excellent cover. Manny and Noah found their own tree not far away to protect them from the increasing heat and penetrating sun. They stood next to the trunk of that tree. Manny whispered to Noah, Be as still as possible. Let's crouch down as well. You know them? No, that is why I want to be cautious around these lions. 
It's a small pride, only one male and several females and several babies. I don't know them. I rarely speak with lion. Are they dangerous, these lions in front of us? Should I be scared? Manny turned to Noah. You should be cautious, wary, but never scared, Noah, of lions or anything else. The male lion was lying down, trying to sleep as the cubs were playing around him. The cubs would occasionally bounce on his back or face. Several times he would lift his head and let out a small but weak growl. And then that great maned head would again rest beneath the giant tree above his head, providing excellent shade. The females were stretched out and prone as well, but a bit more alert. Several sat up and surveyed their domain on the Serengeti. They would occasionally groom themselves, licking their fur or tending to their paws. It was another lazy afternoon for the night-hunting lion resting in the heat of the day. Noah, you see that male lion over there with a the big fluffy black and brown mane? Noah shook his head in recognition. Manny continued, The males can sleep as much as 20 hours a day, Noah. 20 hours. Manny, if I did that at home, my mother would be furious. If I'm not up by seven or eight every morning washing up or brushing my teeth, I hear from her for sure. That's what mothers do, Noah. These lions can be as big as 550 pounds. They groom, they socialize, hunt, and battle with their natural enemy and competitors, the hyena. They coordinate their hunting, but don't always get the food they're looking for. Manny and Noah studied them carefully for some time. Maybe 20 minutes or longer had passed when Manny threw a long breath. He looked down at Noah, and Noah realized it was time to go. Noah stood slowly. They walked back and turned, looking back towards the vast Serengeti and the towering Mount Kilimanjaro in the distance. He said quietly, I will never forget this. Noah stepped forward and took several steps away from Manny. He scanned the verdant landscape and the surrounding hills one more time. He took it all in and tried to firmly implant in his memory the sweet smell of the earth and the warm caress of the velvet air. He tilted his head up towards the sun and closed his eyes. He felt its warmth penetrate his skin. He took in a deep breath of the sweet air. He said to himself quietly, but loud enough for Manny to hear, I love this place. I belong here. Then one day you will return. Noah looked at Manny. You think? It will still be here, waiting for you. And in that final scan, Noah could see moving in front of him, Adax Antelope and Bontibok. Turning his head, he then saw the East African crane with his golden plume of feathers as it raced along the ground. Further still, Noah saw the large, bulky forest buffalo and the diminutive pygmy hippopotamus. He then spotted the Hamadryas baboon and the striped leg of Kapti. 
not far from the redneck ostrich and the spotted hyena and the yellow-backed duke ear. Noah could not even imagine so many species in one place on the continent of Africa, living their lives and enjoying that gift of life. He could feel electricity of life in the air. He sensed their motion. He loved every second of the visual panorama now in front of him. is a wrap for today's episode number 64 with the read of chapter number 10 of Noah, an animal adventure fantasy. And again, that is available on Amazon or audible.com as an audiobook, or you can get it in print and you can also get it in Kindle form as well. I want to thank you very much for joining me for this episode number 64. And please remember to subscribe, rate, or review and go to our two main websites. First one is zooanimals.info and our merchandise site is at zooswear, Z-O-O-Z-W-E-A-R.com. On zooanimals.info, you'll find the links to our five curated content stories today, or you can go to our blog site, which is vtzlife.com. That's vtzlife.com. Well, have a wonderful week ahead. I really hope you do. Hope it's successful and a happy and healthy one for you as well. And be sure to join me again next week for another version of Visit the Zoo. Bye for now.